Warning, content not suitable for children. Listener discretion advised, yo. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And the show starts now. Israeli Krav Maga. Sounds like some badass martial arts, right? Well, that's exactly what it is. In fact, the Israeli uh, special forces, they use this as self-defense techniques. Hey, in this crazy world, why not learn self-defense? Some of the most badass self-defense techniques out there. But get this, you get to learn it from a grand master. Yeah, Krav Maga grand master, Jacob Bressler. Yeah, he'll be hosting a martial arts seminar open to the public at Tucson Rising Phoenix Fitness and Defense, Saturday, May 15th, 12 p.m. until 4 p.m. Now get this, they also have sliding scale pricing. So if money's tight, they will work with you. These guys are amazing. Jacob Bressler is globally famous for his street smart combat technologies. Now, what are you waiting for? Take this amazing opportunity to learn real world self-defense teachings from hands down the most well-respected grandmaster in the Krav Maga global spectrum. So again, that's May 15th at Tucson Rising Phoenix Fitness and Defense. You can contact Jesse James Tucker for more information at 520-838-1592. Text or call. So again, that's 520-838-1592. <laughs> everyone welcome back to another exciting episode of screaming chewy show and i'd like to welcome special guest author writer and mental health advocate john madel how you doing john i'm doing good how are you pretty good man it's my day off uh, can't complain bro yeah i can't complain either man uh thanks for having me hey and thanks for coming on man i'm excited to talk about your your life your books I mean, yeah. um, there's some good stuff, and I appreciate you uh, for giving me some copies of your books as well. Yeah, that's no problem. Um, I actually, uh, part of uh, what I do is um, I actually donate a lot of copies to various, like, mental health groups, and if people can't afford to buy my book, I'll give it to them, you know, and so that's actually part of my whole thing, you know, like, uh, I'm not, I don't know. Um, you know, sometimes I donate copies is what I'm trying to say. It's, it's all about getting the word out. Yeah, for sure, man. That's very important. Cause, uh, uh, a lot of people think what they're going through, they might feel like they're alone and they're absolutely not alone. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's kind of the one, one of the most popular things they say in the mental health arena, you know, like it's just so comforting to know that you're not alone and uh, it can really help people get through some bad days, you know, when they, when they read my story or anyone else's story and, you know, they might be struggling with something and maybe something I say or someone else says, you know, really strikes a chord and they're like, wow, like I didn't know other people felt this way, you know? Very true. They could, uh, you know, read your story, one of your books and just think like, wow, I'm not the only one going through this, you know? Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've gotten almost all positive reactions, but I mean, I've had people say like, you know, I didn't know if I was going to make it through the night and I read one of your books and I was able to get through till the morning and I feel a lot better now. And, 
I mean, I love hearing stuff like that. You know, it's just the 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 reward isn't necessarily in how many books I sell. It's just how many people I can reach. That's amazing, bro. You're doing it for the right reasons, man. You're helping people. Yeah, um, that's it's just uh, I can't explain it, man. I, uh, you know, I'm just kind of called to do it. Um, uh, my first book came out in 2014 and I've been writing ever since. So I got five books out. So I've, I've been cranking them out. <laughs> Kicking ass, you got bit by the bug, bro. Now you can't stop. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And uh, wh- why don't you tell me about your story? Oh, geez. Well, I'll start with what my diagnosis is. Um, I have bipolar disorder one. There's one and two, and uh, w- and they call it with psychotic features which means I've gone through psychosis, which is a total break from reality. It's kind of like the, the stereotypical going crazy that everyone uses so often. Oh, okay. so I, I, I've been through psychosis before, which is I, the only way I can really, well, you don't really know what's going on, but it's kind of like you're watching yourself in a movie and uh, the stuff you do doesn't really make, it makes sense to you, but then it's just a total break from reality. And then I also have some anxiety disorders and I also get panic attacks. Oh man. That's rough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> some days are rough. I mean, one, one thing I definitely want to say is that, uh, you know, well, I was first diagnosed in 2006 and, um, I was hospitalized for 11 days and uh, I'd never even taken like Advil before for anything. And like, so this was 2006 and then they gave me medication and they were just like, okay, like you need to start taking this stuff now. And like, you know, that was foreign to me. Like I never took Advil or anything like that. So the one thing I want to say is that I've only missed one, one dose of medication since 2006. Wow. And, uh, it's super important to take your medication. If you're bipolar, um, some people quit taking their medication because they either feel bad or they feel good. (laughs) So they, you know, it either makes them feel bad and they don't want to take it or they start to feel better. And then they, they think they don't need it anymore. And all the literature I've read basically says uh, people who try to manage bipolar without medication are usually not very successful, Um, which, you know, there's like this stigma attached to taking medication. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if you break your arm, like people you know, have no problem taking something for the pain of breaking their arm. But if they need medication for their mind, like there's this stigma attached that you're somehow, you know, whatever, crazy or like, you know, less than worthy or something like that. But Mm -hmm. so anyway, I just want to say, take your medicine, please. And uh, I've only missed one dose. So that's that's part of my success. Um, you're hundred percent right, right there. Cause like, just like you were saying, you break a bone, you take medication for pain or, you know, it's, it's, you know, something that hurts. Well, your brain is an organ and if you know, you take your medication for that as well, you know? Take yeah. I mean, I guess you could just kind of think about it as like, well, your brain's part of your body. Like you were saying, I mean, you know, you just think of it as like being bruised or something. I don't know. I, Whatever makes you feel better, but I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I, I try to, part of what I do is try to break all the stigma surrounding mental health and taking medications, a big one. So, but, uh, as far as like 
my story goes, it's all over the place. I mean, like I said, in 2006, I, it, I had no idea anything was wrong. And then in the span of a few, I actually don't even remember a few days, few weeks, um, I started making bad decisions and, um, I was like hallucinating and I thought I was working for the CIA and like all this delusional stuff. And then I had to be hospitalized. Yeah. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like, I wasn't coherent enough to like see my actions as an outside person. Like I was just like acting on instinct. So like all the stuff I was doing made sense to me, but I wasn't in the correct state of mind. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but. I see where, um, were people like trying to tell you some, some things or were people kind of like just playing it off? Like, oh, okay. Well, it's kind of hard to remember, but I mean, there was no one. Um, I can't even remember if people were like, hey, man, we think there's something wrong. But I know the day I was hospitalized, I came to my parents' house and my one of my older brothers was like, hey, man, I think you need to lay down. And And I laid down and I felt a little better. And then he's like, we're going to take a ride. and. We took a ride downtown Cincinnati to uh, the the psychiatric services unit, and uh, I was admitted, and they kept me for eleven days, and that's where they gave me my medicine. And I I've been seeing a psychiatrist ever since, and I've been in therapy, and I mean it's you know, and oh. this is probably obvious, but like there's no cure like this is like a lifelong illness like i'm gonna die with it and uh um it's just a matter of really damage control and like quality of life you know what i mean very true you know just like if you have like diabetes you know you gotta take your insulin you know just yep. like other other things you know you just gotta take care of it mm-hmm that's exactly it. And so before 2006, did you ever have any other symptoms or any signs at all? Or did it just happen out of nowhere? Well, um, I was I was pretty much fully function. Well, I was fully functioning before 2006. I was working my tail off. I got a degree in 2004 from the University of Dayton. Nice. And I ironically my degree is in psychology nice so, bro nice yeah if that really tells you how much i didn't know what, what was going on uh yeah i mean it's just it was it was a very rapid decline i'll just put it that way i mean i had I, there was nothing there were no like major red flags like i mean i you know i was kind of like the life of the party and I was really social and you know I mean I might say I might have said like some weird things sometimes but that wasn't outside of my personality you know what I mean like it wasn't it wasn't like oh we think there's something wrong with them you know I feel you bro that's exactly how I am <laughs> yeah so I mean I was you know no never like i said man i never even took medication for a headache or anything until 2006 so man that's scary how your life can just change drastically just like that yeah <laughs> um it is i mean i don't i mean i, I don't know it, it's hard for me to say you know to 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 live your life like you can't live your life being afraid that you're gonna like lose your mind one day but i mean if you can like you know identify it before it gets to be an emergency situation like that would be really helpful to not make it so traumatic i guess is the right word mm -hmm. 
you know, I mean, if you, you know, early intervention is like, is always the best treatment. So, you know, the earlier you catch it, the, the easier it is to treat, you know, not that it's easy at all, but you know, I think, you know what I mean, but. Mm -hmm. Yep. Just catch it early. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I was, like I said, I was the life of the party. I mean, I was, I was just being a young person and whatever. And, uh, I was doing what I thought I was supposed to be doing. I got a degree and I was working and, you know, I was probably partying a little too much, but. Hey, don't we all? (laughs) uh, Yeah. And, you know, one thing I look back now is like, I wasn't sleeping much at all. Like, like barely sleeping for like years at a time. And that can be an early sign of bipolar disorder. And it can also be like, it can also like, like, I don't, not cause isn't the right word, but like bipolar disorder is a genetic disorder. So like it can help it like come to the surface. Um, you know, like when you're not sleeping and you're partying and working all the time. And so one of my relatives actually had manic depression and I guess it slid over to my side of the family. Oh, wow. So lack of sleep and all that, that could kind of trigger it. Trigger. Yeah. That's the right word for sure. Oh, wow. I had no idea. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they always, they always, uh, well, they say like people with bipolar disorder self-medicate with like alcohol and drugs and stuff. And, uh, a lot, uh, I think that's what I was doing in my younger years, but I didn't really realize it. And, uh. So, and then, you know, if, if you don't, if you go untreated and you're not medicated and you have bipolar disorder, you're pretty likely to self-medicate with at least alcohol, if not harder drugs or, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. I'm kind of, you know, I kind of think we're all addicted to something, you know, it could be shopping or gambling, you know, but. Mm-hmm, very true. But I, you know, it can be very destructive if it goes untreated. You go, you can like go on spending sprees and uh, drug and alcohol binges, and you can like have a lot of sexual partners. Uh, it's just very destructive if it goes untreated. Yeah, um, when you go like a like in a manic state, right? That's when you could go on a shopping spree right. and just kind of impulse, more impulsive a little bit, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, they're, well, they call it bipolar because there's two poles and one pole is mania, which you just described, and the other one is depression. So I have bipolar one, which means I'm more manic than depressed. Um, and bipolar two is kind of like more depressed than manic, but both cases of bipolar have characteristics of both mania and depression, if that makes sense. Oh, okay. Well, I had no idea that, um, about the, both of those. Wow. Yeah. It's just, it's, uh, yeah. Like bipolar one's more manic and bipolar two is more depressed, but they both have, they both experience mania and depression at some point, if, you know, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm more of an upper, you know, I, I was more of a hyper person, but I've definitely gone through very bad, bad depression and uh, the, uh, I don't know what people think about depression, but you know, the, not being able to get out of bed, not being able to take a shower, you know, thoughts of suicide and, mm-hmm. you no know, energy. All, yeah, no energy at all. And 
So, I mean, I, I definitely, uh, <clears throat> I've experienced that for sure. But, you know, my main, uh, I had more of a problem with mania, you know, being real hyper and making all the impulsive decisions and stuff. You wake up the next day, what the fuck? I bought a horse? <laughs> yeah, right. Kind of like that. <laughs> and, you know, I think there's a stigma around depression as well, you know, which is pretty messed up. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the people that, well, you know, I don't know if you can really understand mania or depression unless you've gone through it but there's definitely two types of people there's the people that are receptive to like you know like me i'm like how i'm talking to you right now you know they're receptive they want to learn about it or mm -hmm. you know that they, they believe it's a real illness and then there's other people who are just not receptive you know they think it's they think it's a matter of pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and you know, they don't really believe in mental illness and you shouldn't take medication, you know, and they're, you know, mm -hmm. one of my, one of my friends said that a long time ago, receptive and non-receptive people. That makes sense. You know, like when somebody's depressed, people are like, I oh, just cheer up. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. That's like one of the worst things you can hear if you're depressed or Man, I had psychiatrists for a long time. They'd be like, go take a walk. Like, man, you don't even know how bad I feel right now. You think I feel like taking a walk? You're like, I can't get out of bed, bro. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think people just, they just don't understand the depth of it. They're like, they think you're just sad. It's like, no, it's not just sad, bro. It's like, it's like no energy. Yeah, it's, it's. It's not just sad. I mean, everybody gets sad, but when you're depressed, I mean, it's like hopelessness and, you know, I, I have anxiety too. So like I have trouble driving. I really can't drive. Or I can't even ride in the car. Um, and another point I should make is that you get physical symptoms too. Like, I don't know if people think of depression and anxiety and, mania and all that stuff is having physical symptoms but i mean you know just little well some stuff's little and stuff stuff some stuff's bigger than that but i mean like when i have anxiety or mania sometimes i mean i have chest pains which is like really unsettling and i start sweating and like oh that's scary bro <laughs> yeah i mean and like, I can't sit still sometimes, like, and I get like brain fog, like, so like, you know, there's physical symptoms as long as well, you know, it's not just like, oh, I can just think happy thoughts, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And people don't understand anxiety, like, um, like, I haven't experienced it a lot, but, you know, uh, many years ago, I used to be hooked on spice, that synthetic marijuana. Uh -huh. And it would give me anxiety so fucking bad, dude. And, like, I, I so understand people now that, like, anxiety, like, even though your fear might be irrational, but it's very fucking real at the time, you know? Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Like, it's like, you know... It's like you know that it's not rational, but you can't help yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, it could be a fear of anything. And, like, you know, it, it scares you at that moment. It's, but once you get over the anxiety, you're like, I can't believe I was freaking out about that. But it, it's yeah. very real, you know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And, you know, and I think it's awesome that you're spreading the message and, you know, just educating people more about it and kind of ease that stigma off you know if people learn more about these kind of things they they judge less you know yeah for sure and it, you know i don't i don't think you can go through life really caring what everybody thinks about you but you know it is it is nice to have like 
a support group that tries to understand and like you can talk openly with them like and that's just something else I want to say like it's really important to be open and honest with your psychiatrist like even if you're having like really weird thoughts and like you feel really bad or really good or whatever like you have to be open and honest so that the psychiatrist knows which medicines to give you or you know what kind of therapy you need to be on like even if like some of this stuff is really embarrassing you know like like just like i'll just tell you one thing like hey everyone quick message from tucson's rising phoenix fitness and defense help treat anxiety and depression with martial arts training and education develop the confidence skills and fitness you need to stay safe our focus is real-world self-defense tactics, practical and effective for everyone. You can find them at 4500 East Speedway Boulevard, number 4, Tucson AZ 85712. Or you can call them at 520-838-1592. They are open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So hit them up learn martial arts very therapeutic and you can learn to kick ass and kick depression's ass as well so um hit them up the bar is open sit back grab a cold one and get ready for the news you didn't even know you from the frozen wasteland of western North Dakota to the tropical playground of Florida, it's time for tales of wonder and amazement. Put the kids to bed and pour yourself a drink. Lock the doors and close the blinds. Break out the cocaine and hookers. It's time for happy hour news. Hey, let me tell you about the number one daiquiri delivery service right here in Tucson, Arizona. Now, if you know anything about Arizona, you know it gets ridiculously hot in here. Okay, like over 110 degrees easily. So stay cool. And you still want to get your party on? Get these booze going? You get these frozen daiquiris? Or you could get the non-alcoholic versions as well. Or catering for the whole party yeah they got amazing flavors such as a scorpion which is strawberry the gila monsters grape cactus jack green apple all these come with candies that go with the flavors tailored for each individual drink and flavor you know such as like uh, lifesavers gummies gummy worms sour gummies you know there's pink lemonade um there's uh there's specialties as well the like the zona sunset is there a spin on mango nada which is a mango slushy with chamoy and tamarindo candy. Very delicious. That's my favorite, actually. There's the Wildcat, which is U of A inspired. It's cherry and blue raspberry. I highly recommend these, these guys. They accept Cash App, Cash, Facebook Pay. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Desert Daiquiris. You can find them on Instagram, Desert Daiquiris 520. Or you can text them. 520-261-6658. I highly recommend these guys. Um, if you've listened to my show, you know I love these desert daiquiris, yo. People with bipolar disorder sometimes have problems with, like, personal hygiene, like taking a shower, brushing brushing the teeth and stuff like that. Because mm -hmm. of the and depression, like, huh? Yeah. And, like, you know, that's not exactly fun to talk about but i mean just bottom line you know just be open and honest i mean you you don't have to tell everybody everything but at least be honest with your psychiatrist i mean they're they have they've you're not going to say anything that they haven't heard before you know what i mean that's true and legally they can't tell anybody else <laughs> well yeah true and you know um, my doctor told me one this told me this one time that made me feel better. We're not here to hurt you, we're here to help you. And you know, I don't know I don't know what people think about like professionals for mental health, but like 
they're there to help. Like they train for it. Like they have a passion for it, you know, because I mean, unless you're a doctor, I mean, like case management and like a lot of mental health workers, like, you know, they're not really in it for the money, you know, like, um, they're, they're there to help you, you know? So Mm -hmm. I don't know if that'll help people like open up, you know, like, like instead of thinking of mental health professionals as like the enemy or something like that, you know, like think of them as like part of your support group or something like that. Nice. And that can make a world of difference. For sure. I mean, I was, when my doctor told me that this was, probably five, six years ago. I mean, I couldn't sit still in his office and I was like really anxious and manic. And when he told me that, like, I almost calmed right down, like immediately, like without medication, I was just like, holy shit, man. Like I never even thought about that before. Like I never really thought of like the people who were, um, like giving me therapy and medicine and stuff. Like I never thought of them as like helpers. Like I just thought of them as like these, I don't want to say scary people, but you know, like these people that are doing a job that don't really give a crap about you and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I just, you know, it just kind of changed my way of thinking. Like these people like genuinely care about my well being, and that, that helped me cope a lot. Like you said, they're there to help. Yeah. And like you said, you know, it's probably really hard being honest with your therapist, but like you said, that's very, very important. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because not only do you have to deal with the symptoms of your illness, but you have to deal with some funky side effects from the medication sometimes. And, you know, they, you know, there's no magic pill, you know, but they, they try to get the closest medication to give you the best quality of life, you know, like, like I was saying before, it's kind of like damage control, but, uh, you know, they, they want you to live a productive life and a happy life. So being honest just helps them pinpoint what medications to give you and other um, non-medicine treatments like therapy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I heard uh, they don't mix very well with booze, right? Like the, the medication. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Um, um, I don't know what to say about that because I used to be a heavy drinker and I still was a heavy drinker when I was medicated. Oh, okay. But I've been, but I, but I'm, I've been sober like a long time. And, uh, I used to smoke weed too. And, uh, I can't do either one anymore. And I, I think, I think it's because I'm, I'm on the right medication. Oh, okay. Um, I don't really know, but, Drinking and smoking, like, just makes me feel terrible. So, I mean, I might have, like, a beer, like, every six months or something, but I was I was medicated for a while. I mean, I could drink, like, a 12-pack, and, you know, I didn't really notice too much of a difference. I mean, oh, okay. it just – yeah, I mean, it's never a good idea. I'm, <laughs> I'm you know – We'll put it that way. It's not a good idea to mix out alcohol with your meds, and especially if you're bipolar, because it can make you manic. And then when you're hungover the next day, it can make you super depressed. And you got to remember that alcohol is a depressant, you know? Mm-hmm. Get that dopamine flood, and then the next day it shuts off. Yep, exactly. So are, are all your books based on your life experiences, um, based on your bipolar disorder? Uh, yes, they are. Um, so I've written five books and one of my books, a poetry book, 
Um, but the rest are kind of stories from my life. And some of it's kind of like philosophy of life stuff, like kind of what motivates me and what I think, you know, what I think about everyday life and kind of like my purpose and, you know, stuff like that. There's a lot of topics, you know, it's five, five books worth, but I love that kind of stuff, bro. That motivating yeah. stuff, what motivates you, what drives you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, when I was first hospitalized, they put me on medication that brought me way down. Like they almost had to put me into depression because I was so like high and, you know, it was hard for me to get off the couch and, when I started coming out of the depression, like I started out with something super simple. Like I started reading inspirational quotes. Like, I mean, I, uh, you know, just no matter how corny it was, you know, it could have, it could have been by Vince Lombardi. It could have been by, you know, other celebrities or whatever, or, maybe even ancient philosophers, but I just started reading quotes that were positive and I tried to like surround myself with positivity. And like, even to this day, like I won't watch the news. Like I don't follow current events. It, it's just not good for my mental health. Like I, I care about what's going on in the world. It's just, it, I have to be relaxed to even like read about a news story or something like that. That's smart. And, you know, news nowadays, it's not even news anymore. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I, I love that. Um, You know, I love that you just surround yourself with positivity. I, I wish everybody did that. I mean, that, that's a great idea, actually. I mean, I just I had to cut stuff out that wasn't good for my mental health, like and. You know, I don't, I don't know if a lot of people realize like the mental toll that some things take on you that you don't have to put up with, you know, like people think like, oh, like I have to watch the news. No, you don't, <laughs> you know, it's, oh, I, I have to know, you know, about all the crime that's going on. Well, I mean, yeah, it's good to know, but it's like man if it's if it's bringing you down or if it's giving you anxiety man you just gotta skip it sometimes very true even if the news said you know they're like hey there's a solar flare and it's gonna destroy the the earth with radiation well i guess we're all gonna die then i mean too bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah you know uh they're uh the news around here, I don't know how it is around you, but it's mostly negative and like everything's a crisis and people are dying all over the place and stuff like that. And, you know, it's, it's not a lot of positivity. So even like the local news here, like, like, you know, around my side of town, like people getting shot left and right here. Like there's been a lot of shootings lately, like carjackings and stuff, crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, where, where are you located? I'm in Arizona. Uh, Arizona. My brother lives out there. Oh, nice. I'm in Tucson. Tucson. Okay. I think that's a couple hours from where he lives. I'm not exactly sure where he lives. Oh, okay. Maybe like, maybe Phoenix area. Yeah, I think it's somewhere around there. Yeah, that's that's my oldest brother, man. Uh, so there, there's five of us kids that my parents had. Uh, my parents will be married 58 years in June. And uh, I was the youngest. So my oldest brother is almost 60 years old and I'm 39. So we got them all between 39 and what 57 so there's five of us four guys and one of my and i have a sister so 
traditional household, all that stuff. My parents have lived in the house that I live in now since 1967. And they let me stay here for cheap. So that's what I do. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm on a fixed income and I don't make much off my books. So I don't have enough to really live on my own. I don't even know if I could, honestly, like with all the all the responsibilities that go along with living by yourself. And I mean, I'm not, you know, there's always some kind of debate about what, what success means and stuff like that. Like, I think for my illness and what I've been dealt, I'm a success, but like, I mean, I still struggle every day just doing basic stuff. And I mean, I, I have to take naps throughout the day. I have to be on a very set schedule to like remain stable. So, you know, I mean, I I always say that I made lemonade and I'm doing the best I can for sure. That's one thing I can control is my effort. Um, But, you know, I still struggle a lot and, you know, I don't know if anyone ever gets this idea that I'm like living the dream or something like that. But like, I always make sure to tell people like, I I don't, I don't want ever anyone to ever think that, you know, like I, that I don't struggle, you know, cause that's, that's part of it. Like how we were talking about before, you know, mm-hmm. people need, people need to know that I struggle too so that they don't feel alone you know hey man you're just being 100 right there and you know i love how you s- talked about success you know what is success and you know i mean i say you're doing successful i mean you're alive bro you're healthy you know you're not hurting nobody you're living your life you know you're just doing your bet the best you can to improve quality of life yeah it took me a long time to really start believing that because I, you know, I, for a long time, my idea of success was tied up with how much money you had or what, how good of a job you had, or, you know, I was, I wasn't any better than anybody else, man. I was material, you know, caught up in all the material stuff. And, you know, when I couldn't, I I couldn't meet the expectations of society about, you know, what, what society's definition of success is. So, you know, I started to kind of think about what I thought it it meant. And then, you know, it's still hard for me to think of myself as a success just because, you know, because there's so many people that, you know, that it seems like they have everything together, which they don't, you know, but, um, you know, I, I thought when I when I graduated college, my goal was to become a psychologist. And I thought I was going to be making $200 an hour and everyone was going to tell me their problems and I was going to solve them. And, you know, and I didn't have any problems. You know, I was I was 22 years old, just coasting through and then, you know life changes <laughs> mm-hmm. yep but you know I, I was very I was very concerned with how much money I was going to make 20 years ago when I was in college and you know just just until recently when I've been selling a few more books and like being on shows like yours and being interviewed and stuff that it really made me believe that I am a success and, um, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's very hard to be confident when I'm not fully functioning. I mean, you know, I'm not, there's no such thing as normal, but, you know, when I say I don't have a normal lifestyle. I think you probably know kind of what I mean. Like, you know, I don't, you know, the wife and kids in the house and it's like, mm-hmm. that's just not me. Like, 
you know, I, I don't live that way. And even if I could, I wouldn't like, that's just not, not my style. And, uh, so anyway, it, it took, it took me, a, it took me a long time to get rid of the society's definition of success is what I'm trying to say. Hey, you're just doing your own thing, bro. And you're just not following by society standards, but you know, you're doing your own thing. And, just by that positive attitude and that way of thinking, bro, just right there. That's success right there. That's you could have all the money in the world, but if you have a negative mindset, that's not success. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And uh, I appreciate everything you're doing, bro. And where can people find your books? Um, I think the easiest way would be Amazon. Um. I actually don't, I'm not sure if they're listed anywhere besides Amazon, but Amazon is like my go-to website. So just search my name on Amazon and my books will come up and uh, go ahead and get dig in there. There's five of them. So get ready. Nice. And <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, so John Meadle, uh, Amazon, and five books available. Uh, any other links you'd like to promote? Um, let's see. Um, I, I have a free mental health website, uh, Facebook page that I run. It's called Mental Health Awareness and Online Support. We have about 800 members from about 15 countries, and it's totally free. Uh, if anybody's struggling, they can look me up on Facebook or social media and get in contact with me. And it's just a lot of inspirational quotes and stuff like that to help people stay positive that might have uh, mental health issues. So that's about the only thing. Like I said, totally free. It's just something I do to volunteer. And I created the page about 10 years ago. And I I log in every day. So I love that, bro. You know, just supporting each other. Yeah, for sure. And just for all the listeners out there, do you have any message like uh you'd like to tell them? Oh, um I think we covered a lot of it, but um definitely num number one, you're not alone. Uh like literally millions of people suffer from mental illness. It doesn't make you less of a person. Um, it affects everybody. It affects all ages, all races, uh, you know, all, you know, all types of intelligence, rich and poor. It affects everybody. So, you know, just basically you're not alone and, uh, try to take your meds whenever possible. I'm a big, a big proponent of, uh, trying to, you know, control whatever illness you might have the best you can. And so, you know, um, but I guess the number one thing is you're not alone, like not even close, like not even close, <laughs> like millions of people. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Not even close. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I'd love to thank you for coming on, man. Um, appreciate it, bro. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, man. You have a good one. All right, take care. <laughs> Bye. Hey, so I'm sure you've noticed I've been getting a lot more celebrity guests on my show. And this is all thanks to Steve Joyner. He's a publicist and man, this guy takes his work seriously. He does not fuck around. 
and this guy is keeping me busy yo he is, yeah i'm just getting so many celebrity guests thank you so much steve joining and um if you yourself are an actor director producer and you are looking for a, a publicist do not hesitate to contact steve right he is a really cool guy you'll love him okay his phone number is 816-605-4561. Or if you would like to email him, it's uh, all one word, starts with a capital S, and it's stevesjnetwork at gmail.com. So again, starts with a capital S, and then it's T-E-V-E-S-J-N-E-T-W-O-R-K at gmail.com. Tell him Screamy Chewy sent you. You will not be disappointed. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to you, Steve. Thanks again, bro. Peace. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, check out anchor.fm slash Screamy Chewy gmail.com any contribution is greatly appreciated and that makes you my producer if not that's cool i'm just happy you're tuning in and hey screaming chewy show merch yeah that's right at teespring.com just google teespring t-e-e spring screaming chewy show just google that it'll take you right there and uh yeah you could buy hoodies t-shirts socks masks you know if there's any stuff you'd like to see on there or purchase just let me know and i'll add it on and uh yeah you'll be rocking styling social media don't forget to follow me on there on facebook screaming chewy show i like to share memes just make up stupid shit share my episodes on there and just whatever um check out my youtube for video versions of my podcast episodes also in between episodes i like to add me streaming yeah watch me get scared playing a creepy game or die playing PUBG or some shit, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, just check out my YouTube and uh, Twitter. It's at Ch- Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy Show. I should change it to that. But for now, it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks again for tuning in. See you next week. Peace.